You're listening to a podcast from Burley Heads Church of Christ, from Burley Heads on the Gold Coast. And today I want to continue in that. And uh, Paul, looking at the Roman soldier, saw all the pieces of the armour and he, he applied that then to the Christian life. And you remember last week that we looked at uh, the belt and we'll just put that belt up. The arm of God and there's the belt. And you remember that the, the belt Paul called was the belt of truth. And, uh, and of course as, as Christians we need to know that we need to be truthful with ourselves. Uh, it's easy to, be, to deceive ourselves, isn't it? To try and be somebody else rather than our own selves. But as we are honest with ourselves, then we can really hear from God. Then we can need to be honest with each other and then honest with God. And, uh, and then we looked at the fact that with the belt, the belt is, we know Jesus is the truth, and so we belt Jesus on. And with him, we remember that we are forgiven, sanctified, adopted into his family, and we are free. So just as a real quick refresher, just so you can remember that, we, we're now going to move on to the next part of the armour, which is, whoa, which is the, that's really good for the microphone, which is the breastplate. Let me give you a description of the breastplate. It's made up of two small metal parts tied together. It's then placed over the shoulders of the soldier and tied to the belt at the bottom and was used to protect all the vital organs of the soldier. So as you can see, there's a, there's a back section that goes over the shoulders and tied down to the belt. So again, the belt is so vital to help us to have that protection. So Paul called this breastplate the breastplate of righteousness. As I just said, it protects our organs. Breastplate of righteousness. What's righteousness? We know that we've got the belt of truth on. We know that all these true things that are in Jesus for us. But now Paul says, put on the breastplate and he calls it righteousness. So seeing you didn't ask what that meant, I've got a definition for you. Here it is. Definition is righteousness is the moral and spiritual uprightness such as in God. In other words, when God comes within our lives, when we give our life to Jesus, we know the truth, and now Paul says, put on that breastplate so you know in your heart who you are, that you are right with God, you are righteous in his sight. In our, <clears throat> in our world today, we have a lot of advertisements. You know, I sit down to watch a movie at night, and uh, I think more than half of it is advertisements rather than the actual movie. And salespeople uh, don't always tell the truth. I don't know if you know that or not. They either exaggerate or they leave things out in what they, they tell you. And a number of years ago, we, we moved from Paradise Point up to Logan. And uh, when I grew up, I, I lived on acreage. And I said to Judy, wouldn't it be good if we brought acreage up in the Logan area? So we were looking around and we... Uh, which one guy was advertising five acres of land for only $27,000. And I thought, well, this is a beaut, you know, this is nice and cheap. And sometimes things that are, look too good are too good. And so we went out and we had a look at this block of land. 
nice and flat, and there was a creek flowing through the back of the property. And we had a creek in it when I was growing up, so I thought, this is pretty good. So I was prompted, I believe, by the Holy Spirit to say to him, does this creek flood? He said, oh, yes, he said, it does sometimes. He said, it flows into the Logan River. And he said, when there's a lot of rain, there's flood, yes, the water comes up. And I said, well, how high does it come? He said, well, it, it, it breaks its banks and it goes over the land. I said, well, how much over the land? He said, well, actually, it, it covers it. I said, so you're telling me that when this river, this creek floods, the land goes underwater? He said, yes. I said, how often does that happen? He said, well, two or three times a year. <laughs> and I said, he said, are you interested in buying the land? I said, no. He said, why not? I said, my car doesn't swim. And then I asked him to show me where the water came in the 74 floods, and he pointed to a tree about 20 feet up. You see, he didn't tell me those things. He was hiding it from me. And that's what the world does. But as Christians, we are to be upright and true. And that's the difference, isn't it? And so we put on the breastplate and we become upright and true in our lives. Therefore, it means that our attitudes, our speech, our actions should be right. Not wrong. Not deceiving like the world does. So I want us to look at a few verses. Paul says, put this armour on. And I'm going to put the verses up there for you. First of all is Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1. Therefore, Paul says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. In other words, you are called to the Christian life. So therefore now you need to walk worthy of that. And let's see... That's the thing that we've got to think about, isn't it, in our own Christian lives. Are we really walking in the way that God wants us to walk? And so we need to, to put on this breastplate to protect the heart so we know inside our hearts, we know that in Jesus he is truth, we know that we are forgiven and all the things that we looked at last week, sanctified and adopted into his family, we know all that, but now we need to know in our hearts that we are righteous in God's sight and we need to protect that. The Bible says, out of the heart floweth out through the mouth. So whatever's in here needs to be protected. And so we need that protection. But there's another verse too, in Ephesians 4.24. And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. There again, put on this new man. Put on this breastplate that we might be able to live as God wants us to live. Then Ephesians 5.1, be followers of God. Here we are, we're holy, we're righteous in his sight. We need to be followers of him as dear children of God. I like this one, Isaiah 61.10. For he hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. When I, when I read this verse, I thought of that beautiful story that Jesus told in Luke chapter 15. The story of the prodigal son. You know, he tells the story about the, <clears throat> sorry, the lost sheep and the lost coin. And then he goes into the story of the lost son. And we all know the story of how he, he, he left home, he went down to modernise it, he went down to the big smoke to, to live it up. And so he threw party after party after party until his money ran out. And then Jesus said, a famine came in the land. 
and uh, he had to go and work. Um, and he had to work on a pig farm. Now, I don't know whether you've ever been on a pig farm. I have, when I was out west, I went on a pig farm and it, it stinks and the food they eat isn't really nice. In fact, it's slop and yuckiness. And this young fella had to eat that food, he had to sleep with the pigs, and he eventually came to himself, the Bible says, or Jesus says, and he came back home. And when he came back home, his father was waiting for him. Now, I want you to picture this scene. When the father sees him, he runs to him and cuddles him, holds him close and kisses him. This guy has just been walking along the hot roads. He's got sweat running down everywhere. He's been sleeping with the pigs. He's been eating what the pigs eat. He doesn't smell very nice, but the father clothes him and holds him close. And then he gives him three things. He puts shoes on his feet, he puts a ring on his finger, and he puts a coat over him to show that he had been forgiven, he had been accepted into the family. Now that's what Jesus does when we come to him. He clothes us with a garment of salvation. I love this one in Zechariah chapter 3 and verse 4. Take away your filthy garments from him. This is what God is saying. Zechariah is seeing this vision and he sees Joshua coming before God. And God says to um, the prophet, take away the filthy garments from him. And unto him, he said unto Joshua, he said, Behold, I have caused your iniquity to pass from you and I will clothe you with a change of raiment. And I think when Jesus told that story about the prodigal son, I think he had this in mind to remind us that, that God comes and he clothes us with righteousness. And all the, all the yuckiness is gone. We are new in him. That's incredible, isn't it? You can say yes to that. But I think that's right. All right. Now, we're going to go to the book of Romans. Well, righteousness is to be seen, first of all, Righteousness is to be seen in our attitudes, our actions, and our words. So how do we live our lives? Do the people out there see something different in you? Because they should. They should see something that we've got and they haven't. Because we've got the belt of truth on, we know that we are forgiven, we know that we are cleansed, we know that we've been adopted into God's family, and now we're putting on the breastplate of righteousness. We are made righteous so that people should see the difference in us. Romans 6.11, Likewise, reckon you yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ. So that old has gone. Yes, the temptations are going to come, but we're going to push it aside because now we are the children of God and we have the breastplate of righteousness. And another one, I like this one, Philippians 1. Be filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ under the glory and praise of God. That's all ours. By putting on this breastplate. Now this breastplate and the belt Remember, it's all by faith. We're not going to actually put on a belt and put on a breastplate. It's by faith that we come to God and say, God, thank you. So we can stand firm in, in, in the day when the temptation comes. When Satan comes at us, we can stand firm knowing that, one, we've got the belt of truth on, and two, we have the breastplate of righteousness. But now we're going to move on to the shoes. 
the shoes. Let me give you a rundown on the shoes. The shoes were made of two metal pieces, one on the top of the foot and one under, underneath. And the foot was covered by five pieces of bronze and the sides of the shoes were held together with pieces of leather. And underneath the shoes were spikes to hold the soldier as he walked on, on, lake, on rough terrain. So he had to put the shoes on. It was vital for him to do that. No soldier would go into battle without shoes. And so Paul says, put on the shoes. But he gives us a name for them. He says, this is shoes of peace. So as the shoes are to the Roman soldier, so peace is to us from God. And we're going to look at two types of peace that God gives to us. You see, Paul wants us to, he's saying to us that we need to go out to spread the gospel. But we've got to have his armour on. And so now we've got the belt on, we've got the breastplate on, and now we're going to put the shoes. And by the way, the shoes need to be tight. Ever worn loose shoes? I don't wear thongs because I don't like the, the looseness of that. Uh, other people love thongs. I, I can't wear them. It just really irritates me. But I like shoes that are tied up and, and are tight and, 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 and you know you're not going to slip. So these shoes are, are made tight. And so let's look at the first one. Is the, the first type of peace is that we have peace with God. Jesus came and he broke down the petition that separates us from God. Remember in, in Genesis when God created the world, he made Adam and Eve. And there, there they are in the garden. They were enjoying being in the garden. They were enjoying the fellowship with God. And the day of temptation came. And uh, in the middle of the garden, God said it was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We don't know what type of fruit that was. If it was an apple, it would not tempt me. I would have no desire to pick that apple. However, if it was a bone mango, ready to eat, that would be a great temptation. I love mangoes. I said that one day to somebody and they said, I hate mangoes. I said, well, get another fruit. <laughs> Whatever it was, it was attracted. To, they were attracted to it. And so we know the story how Eve and Adam ate of that tree and immediately they were separated from God. And the whole human race was thrown into the pit of sin. And that's why you and I and our children all inherit sin. It's passed down. That's why we've got a bias to do the wrong thing rather than the right thing. You know, if you went down to the bowling green and you bowled the ball down, you've got to know which way you want that ball to go. You know, I was watching the Commonwealth Games and the, and the, and the bowls as they bowled those balls down. They were so good, some of them, how they went around and got around things and came right up to the main little ball in the, in the middle. We've got a bias to do the wrong that's why you don't have to teach your children how to do the wrong thing. Have you noticed that? One of the first words they learn is no. They know how to do the wrong things. You don't need to teach them that. You've got to teach them how to do the right things. And that's why Jesus had to be born of a virgin. You see, if Jesus came into this world, as, as we bring our children into the world, if it was a relationship between Mary and Joseph, then Jesus would have inherited sin. And he couldn't save us. So he was born of a virgin and he came into the world completely free and then he went to the cross and as he hung on that cross at the end of that agony he said it is finished. He had paid the price in full and he sets us free 
So now when we come to God, we have peace with God. Let me show you a verse that backs that up. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 20, And having made peace through the blood of the cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. Jesus has given to us that peace, a peace with God. But once we have peace with God, we then have the peace of God. Two different things. Because of our relationship with God, we now have the peace of God living in our lives. So that means that as we go through our life and we have the things that come against us, like sickness and such like things, we still have the, the peace of God living within us. Because Jesus has given us that peace. We have the peace of God. Let me just give you a couple of verses to go with that. Colossians 3.15 And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you are called in one body, and be thankful. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. And then there's another passage up there in Psalm 37. I didn't get it all written out because I just wanted to pick up four words. Trust, delight, commit, and rest. We know that we can trust God, don't we? Of course we do. We've got the belt of truth on. We know that we're forgiven. We know that we've been adopted to his family. We know that we've got the breastplate on. We're now righteous in his sight. But because now we also have the peace of God, we know that we can trust God. And because we've got that peace and we can trust him, we can then begin to delight in him. In other words, we can be happy in our Christian life. How about that? We can smile about that. Do you know it takes less muscles to smile than it does to frown? I don't like overworking, so I like to smile. So we can delight in God and then we can commit everything to him. Now the Bible says, cast all your care upon him because he cares for you. As we commit ourselves to him, we read this morning, Mez read to us from the scriptures about coming to Jesus and, and handing everything over to him. Here we are, we can commit everything to him and then we can rest in him. I heard someone once say <laughs> that God gets all our sins and he throws it into the sea of his forgetfulness. In other words, he forgets about it. And this preacher then went on and he said, and then he puts a sign up saying, no fishing. Because we come back and we like to fish it out again. Because we carry it. God takes it all away and we can just rest in him. All because we've got the shoes of peace on. But there's another verse as well. Have a look at this one. Peace is like a defence weapon. And here in Philippians 4.7, And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. Wow. So no matter what comes against us, we have the peace of God because we've got a peace with God. And they work together, don't they? As we have that peace with God, we then have the peace of God living in our hearts. I asked John to put this picture of, of a big tree. That's a nice, beautiful big tree, John. Thank you for that. And I want to read to you from Ephesians chapter 3. This is Paul's prayer to the church at Ephesus. 
And this is part of the prayer from verse 17 through to 19. He says that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith and that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth, length, depth and height and to know the love of God which passes knowledge and that you might be filled with the fullness of God. A big tree like that has deep roots and it goes way, way down. You know when cyclones come through and we see that happening up north, there's a lot of damage. Roofs are blown off, trees are blown over. But the trees that are solid don't blow over. They stand firm. And so Paul is saying we need to send our roots deep down into his love. This peace that we know that nothing can take that peace away. No matter what we go through, we can still have the peace of God and we root ourselves in him and we stand firm because we've got the peace with God and the peace of God. That's what the shoes are all about. So as we go through life and we have the trials and we have the situations and circumstances, we know that we can stand firm in him because he is the one who's going to see us through. I don't know if he put another one on there. I asked him to put another one on. Ah, hi. There you are. A tree that's blown over. It's useless. It didn't have the roots to, to hold it up. And whatever came against it overtook it and blew it over. And we know in Christ we can get blown over if we trust our own resources. But if we keep our eyes on him and we put on the belt of truth, knowing that we are saved, knowing that we belong to him, knowing that we are forgiven, knowing that we are part of the family of God. And as we put on the breastplate, we know that we are made righteous and we want to keep that in our hearts. And now we put on the shoes for, for spreading the gospel of peace. But well, we can't spread the gospel of peace unless we've got the peace in within us. And so we have a peace with God and the peace of God living within us. And so that's the, the third piece of the armour. I'm not going to be here next week. I'm going up to Toowoomba, doing a wedding up there for a nice young guy who's getting married. But the following week, we're going to go into the next piece of the armour. And we're going to uh, look at that and then the week after, finish that off. So we've got another two lots of weeks. And we're going to be looking at the, at the sword. We're going to be looking at the, the shield. And we're going to be looking at the helmet. All those three vital parts of the armour of God. But... It's all for us, so you need to be here, okay, to, to learn and to be able to apply it to our lives because God is so good. He wants us to be equipped to be able to do the fighting for him. Let's come before him in prayer. Father, we just want to thank you for, for who you are. We thank you for your love and your mercy. Lord, we mercy. Lord, we mercy.